Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And today we have another very special guest. We have Matthew from Fika Coffee, based in Langley Park, just around the corner from my studio. And we're going to talk about all things coffee related, aren't we, Dan? Yeah, this is an interesting one because the last maybe three or four years, I've kind of developed a taste for really good quality speciality coffee because I never drank coffee till I was kind of like late 20s. And my idea of coffee was something that just came freeze dried in a jar. Mellow and, birds. <laughs> yeah, and it, was, <laughs> it wasn't very nice at all. Hence why I didn't drink coffee until I was in my late 20s. But then I can't remember why I found out about good quality speciality coffee. And then I went down the route of learning about it. So then to have Matthew come on and be an actual expert in this, it's uh, really interesting. It totally is. And um, like you, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was after my 40th birthday. And now my husband has become obsessed. Uh, I think it's fair to say. And he is a regular customer of Matthew's. And now we've got our scales, a roast, not a roaster, a grinder and a fancy lightly up coffee machine. So it's really good to, like, I just drink it, don't really know much about it. So that's why I'm really excited to talk to Matthew to find out more. And of course, when you buy from an artisan dealer like Matthew, you're creating some kind of sustainability as well. So it'd be really good to hear all about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Buying from someone like Matt, it supports local business. You're getting a good quality product because we're going to talk about there's obviously health benefits to coffee as well. There's mental health benefits, like even just taking a little bit of time and enjoying that break and not just chucking it down your neck as quick as you can. So there's lots of really positive aspects to upgrading your coffee if you're a coffee drinker or even just trying it out if you want to get into it, Gus. This is um, this is a lot better than drinking that instant stuff. So without further ado, here's Matthew. So today we're joined by Matthew, who has his own coffee company business, based in Langley Park. So it's just around the corner from my studio. So welcome, Matthew. And can you tell us a little bit and our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into where you are now? I certainly can. Thank you. Right. So I opened, so we're called Fika Coffee Roasters. So we're on the industrial estate in Langley Park. I previously was a science teacher for a while, which is, um, it sort of leads quite well into coffee because it's, it's all quite scientific and uh, takes quite a bit to learn about. But I fell in love with coffee in Australia originally. So I lived in Australia in Melbourne for six years where the coffee culture is amazing and the coffee's amazing. And then when I was due to move home, I realized that the coffee culture hadn't moved quite so quickly in the UK and decided to teach myself how to just make coffee basically at home. So I did a barista course and um, it's sort of, it's a hobby, which has it's got a bit out of control and I've uh, <laughs> dedicated my days to it now. So um, the roasting side of it is quite a tricky. It's quite a skill to learn. I don't know if you can see behind me, but that's my roaster in the background there, which is my next mortgage. 
<laughs> Dan has just, just seen before we came on air there that it looks, shall we describe it to our listeners? It looks a bit like a, a steam engine. <laughs> that's the first yeah. thing that came to mind when I, when I saw it, yeah. Well, when people come in, that's the, the first thing they look at. They look, is that is that the roaster there? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's no, quite it's, big, isn't it? I it is quite big. It, I think on the camera it looks smaller than it is. It's taller than me. But, you know, I've sort of invested in it for the future, you know, so it's not... I've got a little roaster in the corner over here, which I do sort of sample roasts on, but that's the big production roaster. So it's when like you've got that one fired kilos. up, does the whole of Langley Park smell like coffee? Uh, it does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I've had uh, people comment at farmers markets in Barnard Castle about how they were walking along the line here and they smelt me out. So that's a <laughs> uh, that's a good marketing strategy. Uh, yeah, you see that it's a good marketing strategy. Cool. So can you tell us a bit about roasting? So do you buy your coffee? Um, I don't understand. I don't really know how it, how it all works. Yes, so how does it work? We are, so we're a specialty coffee roastery, basically. So, you know, coffee is it's a commodity. You know, it's a, it's one of the best-selling products around the world. So, we are only focused on the specialty coffee, which is basically it's not just what I'm doing to it. It's all the way through the chain from start to finish the farmer knows that they are producing specialty coffee or they're trying to uh, produce specialty coffee. And it's it's something which takes a lot of care. It starts from that farmer to the people who then buy the green coffee beans to being exported, kept correctly, and then roasted by me. And then beyond that, you've then got the barista, you know, because some people will think, oh, it's easy. Once you've got a, you know, a coffee machine sat in your cafe, you just press the button and out comes a lovely tasting coffee and it doesn't work like that at all. It takes a lot of training. And that's the the main difference, I think, with why I fell in love with it in Australia is because people over there are paid as a profession. You know, that you're a barista, that's your job. It's not just a summer job while you're at university. It's a that's your profession. You you're paid and in demand if you are a very good one. So it takes a lot of uh, a lot of training, a lot of practice, and the, the roast inside of it is just the same. It, you know, it's a big machine, but it doesn't do it by itself. It's all control. I control it all via the laptop. So it's all about controlling the temperatures at which you put in the green beans into the the roaster, and what point you're changing the gas all the way through it. Part of my thing when I set this business up is I wanted to try and educate people a bit more on the roasting process, uh, and that will still come, but we've obviously had to put that bit on hold hoping to do some sort of roasting evenings where people come in, experience the roasts, have a little go themselves, and then sit around and drink coffee from all the origins that which I've sourced it from. Sign me up for that. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, it, you know, it, w- it would have been ideal for a new business like us to be able to get people in to understand what we're about. You know, that's, that's the difficult bit at the moment because you can't, you know, you're relying on Instagram and Facebook and what I really want to do is get people in through the door here and get them to mm. come and yeah. sample and taste and not necessarily have a, have a let everyone have a go on the roaster because it's, you know, you're putting a, at least five kilos of coffee in it each time. So right. it's not something so, you can sort of mess and play with. But did I see <laughs> on your website the other day or your Facebook, white coffee beans, was that a thing? Or have I just made that up? No, no. So the, well, the beans come they're green beans so it's just a seed of a fruit basically but they've been dried out so the, the farmer picks it you know and part of the speciality thing is it's all about the, the coffees i get are usually grown at pretty high altitudes most of them are hand-picked and they only pick it when it's perfectly ripe and then 
it's dried out so there's a few different ways it's processed it's probably too much to go into now but you can either have an, a natural where the you leave some of the flesh on the seed while it dries out or you can have a washed coffee where they've already removed all that flesh and the bean will dry out in the sunshine usually on raised beds they've got to keep the airflow going so they don't go moldy and stuff like that but it's all about the specialty coffee should should arrive with me with hardly any defects at all so there's a bit of a difference between you know even like the starbucks side of the world or i wouldn't even go as far as instant of what you what you can see what the, what goes into instant coffee but the coffee i have shouldn't really have any defects so it shouldn't really have, have any sort of insect damage uh, we shouldn't get any sort of cherries just left for, as part of the processing so it's a difficult job for the farmer to get it to be classified as speciality farmers send over their samples via a few different importers I'm trying where I can to sort of deal directly with certain farms. So I've got uh, some coffees that I get from Brazil. The guy who I deal with over in England, it's his family's farms in Brazil. So I know that what that supply chain looks like. I know what, how much he's paying for the coffee. I know how much I'm paying for the coffee. I know how much that farmer's getting for the coffee. And that's part of it as well. You know, it's making sure you're, you're supporting a sustainable business and that you're not having, you know, there's, there's all sorts of rumours that go on about the, the larger coffee companies and what happens with the on the farms where those cherries are picked. But it's about trying to get those relationships. So I've got a guy in Uganda. Uh, his son works on the farms in Uganda, try to educate them all about you know agriculture and try to improve the crops over there. It's sort of a feel-good to me. You know, where I can, if I can get those relationships, I'll buy from them and continue to support them as they sort of progress themselves because they're quite young businesses themselves you know these people have had to take a decision that right i'm going to try and make some specialty coffee because the profits are better for the farmer but it doesn't always work out so i suppose the other thing you mentioned jill i spoke to you before about is that organic side of things a lot of people come in and say oh you know i only drink organic coffee and it's a bit of a polarizing topic for us because you've got organic it's a very difficult thing to get you know, if you're going to be certified as an organic farm, you've got to go for three years of where you don't use anything which is non-organic. So you suddenly get an outbreak of, a, you know, coffee beetle or something and you you can't use a, a pesticide. It can completely destroy your crop. So it's tough shout. You know, these some of these farmers are almost living in poverty. It's a big shout for them to suddenly say, right, I'm going to take three years of uh, trying to get to that organic certification. And a lot of the coffees that we've got are, are organic by nature, but they don't have that certification so we've got some new coffee that's just come from uh, east timor they don't use anything that's artificial but they can't afford to become certified as organic because they would have to pay for the people who come to accredit them for, they'd have to pay for their travel their their mm. board you know they've got to have these plans in place about how if they've got anything which isn't organic there's got to be a border between it all and even the processing units the coffee goes to has got to be certified. So it's it's a difficult thing to get and a difficult thing for somebody who's living in poverty to choose to to go for. So it's a bit of a, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Because uh, I think the demand is probably growing for organic stuff, but I try and support, you know, you've got to try and support that small small business as well. Yeah, I love that you've it got that hurt. Sustainability, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it is a it is a controversial subject, the the organics, because even in food and drink as well, obviously with coffee, it can be expensive to get the certification. Mm-hmm. 
So people who are grown organically and with healthy farming practices, they are producing the best quality stuff, but they don't get to market themselves as organic. But then yeah. whereas kind of big corporations can afford to just almost quite controversially pay for an organic label when it's not really organically farmed. So you get yeah. big corporations like even McDonald's and other other companies can just yeah. almost just buy an organic certification. Yeah. So they they're kind of piggybacking off the hard work that actual organic farmers do, and it's it's not right, is it? No, no, and and, and that to me, I, I do. I sort of try and source some organic beans because there's some places that I sell to which will only buy organic coffee. But you know, it's trying to sit down and sort of educate people and say, well, this coffee from East Timor is is organic. It's naturally organic. It, the coffee's grown sort of naturally. Um, yeah. So the, the organic side of it is. You know, it sells as a premium, but there's a there's a lot of work, and you know, like you say, it wouldn't be the one thing that that drives me to buy a coffee. So the difference between your coffee and a jar of Nescafe, Nescafe yeah, <laughs> is immense. Then they can't uh, yeah, compare. Yeah. It is, it, you know, and it's it's trying to get people to understand what speciality coffee is all about because you can say, oh, especially what makes it better, well it's a completely different product. What mm. goes into Nescafe is basically the chips that have come off beans and anything that have found on the floor and it just gets roasted so dark that you can't really tell what it is anyway. And a lot of people come in to me and say, oh, what's, you know, I really want a, a really dark roasted coffee uh, or, you know, I want a really strong, give me a number five. But to me, it's all about trying to get the flavor because these farmers have gone, have gone to all this effort of trying to create this beautiful tasting bean and, if I roasted it too dark, you, you lose all the flavor and the nuances about it. So it's, I don't tend to roast a dark, you know, a dark coffee because that it just gives you that bitter taste that you could go to the supermarket and buy. So it's all about trying to bring out the flavors, the fruit flavors and everything in, in the coffee. I assume you've heard of the, the coffee Kopi Lawak where the, the cats yes. eat, the, eat the berries. So I was reading about this. I've heard of it before, but obviously with you coming on the show, yeah, kind of did a bit more research. I'll let you describe it, but it's have, a very, very strange, strange. <laughs> it is, yeah. Basically, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just a, a bean which has been through the digestive system of a cat. But, of a cat, of cat yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's sold at a very high premium, basically. Yeah, yeah. But it's all to do with that that fermentation process. So every coffee is fermented at some point after the processing. So as part of the processing, I should say. Uh, but this particular bean is processed and fermented Bio inside of the yeah apparently i think there is a cafe i don't know of it but somebody was telling me there is a cafe in london that is you know that's the only coffee that they they serve yeah their own cats so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, eating it whole right? yeah when i looked at it it said it was it's meant to make a smoother tasting coffee but like less acidic or less bitter but yeah. the price was something like one place it was like six hundred dollars a cup yeah. or something i think there's a, I think there's a place in bali that does it you know and it's one of those where when the tourists get off you can they just drive you there to try this and it will charge you an absolute fortune you know to yeah, go and have I'll, a cup of it i think i think i'd rather drink nescaf than pay six <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. maybe so with um with regards to speciality coffee like you said people don't know what it is and five years ago before i drank coffee I, I wouldn't have had a clue what it is. Yeah. But then the more you get into it, it's kind of like, it's like wine tasting. And again, I did a little bit of research and apparently because people really get into wine tasting and they, mm-hmm. you, like you said, they talk about the flavors. It's not the yeah. strength, it's the flavor. <clears throat> but there's actually can be more things to look for in coffee. There's actually more 
flavors than than wine sorry so wine yeah. has a few hundred but coffee i think it was so like five to yeah. one thousand different flavor profiles but there's also a thing called a cup score so the cup score is basically how we judge a coffee so that'll happen at origin where the people who are buying the green beans will roast it and then cup it so it's just basically a taste you know a tasting and you are looking for things like the acidity the flavor, the aroma, the aftertaste, the balance. So acids in coffee can be really good. It could be a citric acid, a malic acid, but it could also be a bit, you know, you might get a little bit too much acid. So it's all about getting a nice balanced cup. But anything that scores above 80 on this 100-point scale can be classified as a specialty coffee. So that's the target for these farmers is to, to make a coffee which is above 80 so you're sort of scoring each point, the aroma, the fragrance, the acidity, the body of it. And at the end of it, you put that score together. Well, we don't do that. You know, you get these people who are qualified Q graders who basically assess the coffees. So I know when I buy my coffees, the partners that I work with will tell me what the cup score of that particular coffee is before I buy it. And then I, when I get it, I will sample it and I'll score it myself just to see what where I think it is. But I'm not a qualified Q grader as yet. But yeah, so that's uh, actually it's it's rated out of a hundred. Yeah. So let's say you get an, an 85 cup score, yeah. but then you still have to roast it mm-hmm. like yourself. So the process right, yeah. has a lot more to go into after that. Yeah, you could completely ruin it. You know, yeah. it's um, there's, there's some coffees that. <sighs> It's, it's trying to figure out your roast profile for that particular coffee, which is, you know, it's quite tricky. There's a lot of science behind it. The altitude, the coffee's been grown out. The higher the altitude, you tend to get a denser bean, so you can usually chuck a bit more heat at it. Mm. So it's quite a scientific process, and trying to get that profile right takes quite a while. So <laughs> even with, re- with regards to roasting, there's obviously a lot involved to get it correct. Yeah. But then there's also when it gets to someone buys the coffee and then they're going to brew it themselves. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot goes into that. So there was when I started getting, getting into drinking good quality coffee, I didn't have a clue what, <laughs> what it all meant. Yeah. So uh, me and Jill were talking before you came on air as well, because Stevenson in this as well, isn't he? So can you just talk us through the different aspects which go mm-hmm. into making a cup of specialty coffee at home like the water at home yeah so the the brewing time the the ratios of water to to coffee it depends on what you what you're going to brew right so generally speaking not everybody's got a a grinder at home A, a lot of the the quality of the cup of coffee that you get comes from the grind so i've got a a grinder in here which is a lot of money but it grinds to perfection exactly put for that sort of brewing method so if you're brewing a cafetiere at home you would want quite a coarsely ground coffee so it'd be a bit like a sand you know almost sandy type particles that you'd be looking for whereas if you are sitting with an espresso machine at home that has to be a very very fine grind because you're trying to extract you know the the soluble compounds from it very very quickly in your espresso machine so espresso is the hardest thing to master at home that in itself, it's a, it's a skill and you, you can end up wasting loads of coffee trying to get that perfect cup of espresso. You're just going through it and trying to, what we call dialing it in to get that perfectly sweet espresso. 
So I uh, use a I use an aero press. What what grind? What kind of level? Do you have like a level of a yeah. one to ten of how? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, aero press. I w- so I've got on my my grinder here. It sort of goes one from espresso around the ten for the cafetiere. So the you can adjust it, but it, it's sort of a bit like a. I would say to, more towards the espressos, that finer grind. Yeah. But more like for almost like a filter type grind. So it's a bit midway, right, right, slightly okay. finer than filter. I've been brewing at home with my Mayera Press at weekends. And that that's, for me, coffee is all about that part of it, is the brewing of it. It's it's a bit of a you know it's a bit a bit of well being for me because it sort of takes me away for fifteen minutes where I actually sit and I'll weigh out my beans. So I use if I'm using an press, I use sixteen grams of beans, and then I'll grind it at that correct level, and then I'm timing how long it takes. But my other half is in the background saying, "Just get me cold coffee." But that, <laughs> yeah. that, that to me is part of it. It's that. Yeah, it's, I almost enjoy it more than actual. Drinking yeah, the actual, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the it's the preparation. Yeah. You know, for a cafetiere, I use fifty grams of coffee for a you know a larger sort of eight cup cafetiere, for, almost for a liter, and that in itself is putting the water on. I leave it to stoop for four minutes, and I scrape off all the grounds that haven't you know give it a stir, scrape off anything that hasn't hasn't sunk to the bottom. Then I'm leaving it for another six minutes to cool down and. You know, it's it's a good fifteen minute brewing process. Yeah, it's almost but, like cooking. If you if you're into cooking and eating nice food, yeah. you don't just chuck something in the microwave and expect it done in a couple of minutes and expect right, a good yeah. quality meal. Yeah. You take the time to buy nice ingredients, prepare mm-hmm. the food, have good quality utensils, and it, it does make a huge difference, doesn't it? It does, yeah, it does. And I think all this talk about you know they're getting the flavors, the flavors come out in different processing as well. I can brew. A coffee on the AeroPress and then put it through a, you know, for an espresso, com- completely different tastes. Yeah. But it's all about, you know, it's all about playing with your grind. You know, you might want to put slight a couple of grams more, a couple of grams less if you want it, you know, if you want it a bit less strong. Or and yeah. you, <clears throat> some people talk about strength, and strength to me is you just put a bit more coffee in. It's just taste, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Not necessarily the, yeah. The, the it's not like that. It's not yeah. so much about the roasting. Mm. it's about the the strength of it is well how much coffee you're using so if you want a strong cafetiere you just put a, a little bit more coffee into your, your cafetiere yeah there's um if people are listening and they think oh that sounds very complicated mm-hmm. when i was getting into it i just went on youtube and there's some very artistic videos of people making yeah yeah um, i don't know what, what's the word it's a speciality brew coffee or home brew coffee but yeah people make I mean, good quality put, videos uh, to do it <clears throat> I've put a um, a blog on my website, which is all about how I do a cafetiere. Yeah. You know, and I'll probably start to add more into that as I go along and, you know, go into some different brew methods. But yeah. again, you know, if people come in, that, that's what we end up talking about. It's about, you know, how you're brewing it at home and if they can grind it themselves and grind it yourself because that's, the, you know, that's going to be the best way to, as soon mm-hmm. as I've ground it, it, it starts to oxidize a bit, a bit quicker. So it probably doesn't last quite as long as, it, you know, six months or so it will last as a, as a roasted bean yeah but i know um jill stevens uh had in, you know invested in his his grinder you know but that's it and you, you get taken away and you start right you, know, you can, you can spend half an hour playing with your coffee yeah <laughs> it's cost it us is. a fortune now yeah. it takes hours <laughs> it does yeah 
but it tastes great. It does, taste, it does honestly, yeah, it does make a massive difference. I'm, I am a fan, although I don't really know all about what you guys are talking about. I just get carried away. <laughs> I just get drink the coffee at the end of it, and it's much nicer than any of the... Um, I can't even drink a jar of coffee. Well, if I try to go back now to a, a normal... I'm not married, but my, I would call her my mother-in-law, but she has those <clears throat> pods that she puts into that machine that I won't say the name of. But um, when I try to go back or she makes me a coffee now, I'm, I'm blown away by the difference. Yeah. Whereas, you know, five, even probably three years ago, I probably would have had that and thought, oh, look, it tastes great. Yeah. And now I've got them, you know. I'm the same, yeah, because that's how I started drinking coffee. I only drank, started drinking a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it was because Stephen got one of those pod machines. But I yeah. hated the fact that we're putting all their pods out mm-hmm. into the environment and they, they just yeah. get put into landfill. Yeah, so, their argument is that they can be recycled, but then how many people recycle them? Not many people <clears throat> recycle them, do they? No. So, it's, so I'm much happier in terms of environment that it's coming from, our coffee comes from you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's and that's again the thing about me being here is that people are coming in, or they bring the bags back, or they just bring a container down. So it's trying to be environmentally uh, uh, friendly where where it can be. There's always areas for improvement for me, but you know, when I started out, I really wanted to have compostable bags, but the expense, you know, I would have had to buy. I don't know how many thousand it was. I think it was about ten thousand bags, you know, and they would try to charge you sort of eight thousand for a startup. Wow, so yeah. I was just like, I just can't afford to do that at the moment. So that's all future stuff that I will move to. But in the meantime, people are, you know, come and reuse stuff. And if people listen who aren't into specialty coffee at the moment, but they find this interesting, <clears throat> or this is something I, w- I wouldn't mind doing a little bit more research on, what's some kind of easy starter tips you could give for people, apart from just doing a Google search on, on what it is? Because yeah. I noticed on your, on your website, which is really good on the on the shop section. Yeah, starter packs. Yeah, so like a, a little. Yeah. Uh, sorry, like taster packs. Sorry, so a little bit of each coffee. So then yeah. they taste the difference between. That's right. Yeah, yeah between so, that's a good idea. So is there anything else yeah. you recommend? My my whole uh, the whole idea of me doing that was to to help people introduce people to the yeah. different flavors. So I would usually in that sample pack I would usually put a Brazilian, a Colombian, and then flip over to the African coffees, which are much more fruity and floral. So just, just to give people an idea of what the differences can be. Or, you know, I might put a real fruity, I've just run out of this uh, Honduran one, which is completely, you know, it's just like papaya and mango and really exotic tastes. But that's what they're about, just a little sample pack. And then I would suggest just brewing in a cafetiere, you know, or... If you've got an AeroPress, an AeroPress is about 30, you know, just under 30 quid. But real simple to use, it will give you a, a, a completely different view of coffee once you've actually tried it. Yeah, and, and with regards to kind of <clears throat> the, actually, so you, you've got the AeroPress, you've got some good quality coffee. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I kept messing up when I took was ages to figure out was the water temperature. I would just pour boiling water straight in yeah. and that really yeah. creates that bitter burnt taste it so does yeah you don't it does, have it burns, to it, yeah. it's, it's not like tea it's not boiling water is it yeah just off the boil so again people aren't going to have the big fancy kettles that, that you can see the temperature on i usually brew my aeropress about 89 90 degrees so if you've left you if you leave your water for a couple of minutes after it's flicked off at 100 again that you know that it can change the taste of the coffee mm. 
and you're getting very specialized and you know you can go that far down a little rabbit rabbit hole and take you take you into that crazy world of right what's one degree going to change in my in my cup and you don't want to go that far but what you do want to do is just experience it and try a try something new i would say yeah because i think a lot of the time when people have had a go that you start getting that repeat <laughs> i can see it by the repeat customers that i get it's like oh that's what uh, that's what coffee's supposed to taste like but yeah. um it's a jump you know it's slightly more expensive not massively more expensive to buy a specialty coffee but when you think you know people have been going in and having a you know three pound latte <laughs> you know you can buy a 250 gram bag for me usually about seven seven pound 50 or something and it's you know it is it's something that you just you take away and have a whole new experience so coffee coffee in like coffee shops like starbucks and costa it's massively overpriced compared to like you say coming to someone like you and you can buy a bag and do it yourself yeah so for it the, is yeah for the sake of buying an aero press and a bag of coffee from you for 35 40 pounds yeah that might last you for months as opposed to getting a, a costa for four pound every day yeah yeah it's, and it's, i think it's i think things, things have changed i mean this whole uh pandemic has changed a lot of a lot of uh habits of people you know mm. and i think people are wanting to brew at home we really struggled to get hold of equipment because yeah suppliers have just been absolutely inundated to buy like espresso machines you know they're really hard to get hold of uh, Steve was lucky when he got his well, me and Jill are in like the obviously the health and fitness industry, and that's like fitness yeah. equipment. You just couldn't, you just couldn't buy a kettlebell, get a kettlebell. anywhere. <laughs> that's right, yeah. But it is, yeah. And yeah. that that was the same with me. I was trying to get equipment, and you just couldn't get hold of it. The Sage machines, so they were selling out. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, what, Matthew, are the health benefits around coffee? For me, well-being. Yeah, right. I think so. Anyway, because I, I, you know, it's that mental thing of taking ten minutes of actually getting away and thinking. Right, you're doing a routine where everything, has, you know, routine has been taken away from us. Basically, a ritual. Oh yeah, it is. You know, my weekend ritual would be to get up and I get started on making a cafetiere, and it just makes me feel good. And like I say, I probably enjoy that bit more than you know drinking yeah. it. It's great, the taste in it, but I, I really love making it. There's all the, the extra benefits are i don't know how scientific some of the the reports have uh, have been about extending life and it does have antioxidants in it and they're saying that organic coffees sometimes have higher volume you know higher amounts of these antioxidants in it can it, it's a stimulant basically isn't it so it, it will uh, make you a little bit sharper sometimes yeah. It's still a, it's still a fruit at the end of the day, so it's still going to have vitamins and minerals and it's, nutrients. And like it's say, very it's, it's very very good for you. Yeah. <laughs> apart yeah. from it's one of putting, your five five yeah, in a day. <laughs> apart from if you're putting four spoonfuls of sugar in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So um, I'm going to pinch one of Dan's questions here, Dan. Um, Matthew, your yeah. business is called Fika. What does Fika mean? Even though I suppose my love for it came from Australia, Fika has got nothing to do with that. I'd like to say that I had some sort of special link to it, but I actually sat down on the sofa and looked at some really cool words for coffee stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> and fika means it's Swedish for that every day they'll take a fika, which is basically a coffee and cake with friends. So I thought that was quite nice. Uh, it had a nice ring to it. Again, it's that ritual thing where they'll stop, stop work, and they'll have a fika, which is have a cup of coffee and have a bit of cake. Or, you know, people will bring cake into work and they'll all sit around and just sit sit and have a minute i like that idea 
Yeah. Yeah. I do that far too much, yeah. (laughs) With regards to specialty coffee and and what you do, do you see kind of like me and Jill in the fitness industry, we see trends come and go. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it the same in your industry? Is there is there a trend at the moment? Well, I think there's there is there's a movement, I would say, towards specialty coffee. But you know, and if you if you look at year on year growth in sales for specialty coffee, it's, it's a massively growing business. There's more people getting into it. There's more roasters popping up. People are roasting at home. You know, just buying little home roasters. So there, there is interest there, but I think it's still got a way to go. Part of it is is education. You know, trying to the people talk about wanting to buy sustainably and ethically sourcing their food. And that's what we're all about. But it's getting people to experience it as well. Yeah, which is which is why the workshops <clears throat> a good idea when the world yeah. gets back to when normal. The world opens. Yeah. That's really good, yeah. So is, where can yeah. people find out more about the, the workshop potential? Well, I'll I'll be putting all that stuff out, you know. So I, I do use, I use Instagram and I use Facebook, but I'll be putting stuff out on the blog and on the website about when I'm planning to try and start doing some of those evenings, even if it's just two or three people at a time at the start, just to, you know, so we can get a, a good quality event. When I went and did my roaster training, it, I, I was fascinated with it. You know, I hadn't really seen much of the green beans. I didn't know what I was really looking for. So it, it was great to get all the, you know, you just basically shoved a big sample of green beans in front of me and said, right, find any defects in them beans. So I was, you know, picking out what I thought was wrong and it, it, I found it really interesting and a lot of people do a lot of people are into their coffee like yourself there you know just at home brewing it's uh it's really interesting I love reading about it as well to me it just ma- it makes me feel good you know when I've just got this stuff from his team on I know the you know you're getting pictures of the farmers that have that have grown it and you think you know what you actually are trying to help where what I'm doing is is doing some good in other parts of the world that that need that help Absolutely. So um, what's your website address there, Matthew? So it our listeners is can... uk. Excellent. And I know that you're supplying to quite a few shops around in the local area as well. Yeah. And, yeah, and also do you send stuff to, because we've got listeners all over the place. So do you Yeah, send... I do. Yeah. So I send nationally. So anything over £15 gets sent out free. Or if you're in Langley Park or in DH1, then I'll go and drop it off when I've finished here. Fab. And we'll also put those details in the show, in the show notes as well, so that our listeners can um, find you. Lovely. Have you got any other questions, Dan? No, I'm just looking forward to um, going making a coffee in about five minutes. So let's talk. <laughs> I know it's made <laughs> me want to go and do It's made me want to go and do this. So tell me, Matthew, there. What are you? What was that you were drinking just there? Was it, it looks like a just to give this, you this coffee porter? It so looks like is, Guinness. Oh, it does. Yeah. So this is. Uh, it was made. So we've got another little startup brewery two doors down from here at the industrial estate called Devilstone Brewery. And they'll be pleased to get that in. And uh, <laughs> so every so often he'll bring me a little sample and he found a can of this uh, coffee uh, porter before. So cool. Yeah, it's a lovely park. He used some of our beans in it, so... Ah, excellent. Langley Park's com- becoming the place to be. So when we get let out of this um, pandemic, we'll have to do a full tour around Langley know, Park. Yeah. And- <laughs> All these artisanal businesses setting <laughs> up. Yeah. And then you can all finish at my studio. And <laughs> well, either start finish at your studio or finish at the Ants Brewery there. I don't yes, know. yeah, well, the brewery <laughs> might be better. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll start at yours. <laughs> yes, yeah, start at mine. Yes, so that's awesome. Thank you, Matthew. No, thanks for very much for having me. It's great.
And um, yeah, nice to speak so to any, people for a change. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and any of our listeners want to go and see Matthew, if you come into my studio, you can call in. It's in, on the industrial estate in Langley Park, and um, you will smell, smell your, me out. your place before you see it. Yes, uh, indeed. Lovely. <laughs> so thanks. Thank you very much, Matthew. And thank go you check very out much. Yeah. Have Bye. a good day. And you. So cool. How good was that then, Dan? Did that answer all your coffee? itch did it scratch your itch <laughs> <laughs> did it scratch me coffee itch yeah, yeah it did it was really interesting to hear about all the different aspects that go into it really interesting a lot of the stuff i kind of already knew but then matt just takes it to a whole another level like i might take five ten minutes to make my coffee it's his sunday morning ritual i think he said he takes 15 <laughs> minutes he's just on another level but i'm looking forward to when he reopens and he can run the workshops i didn't know he was going to do that so like someone like me or someone getting into speciality coffee that'll be really really interesting so like i said we're going to link the matthew's website in the show notes and when he does get the workshop something going i think it'll be really enjoyable yeah so we've been drinking matthew's coffee for quite some time now and i can vouch for the the loveliness of it i know there's probably some really technical coffee term to use there but it is it is one of some of the nicest coffee I've ever tasted. And I love the fact of the sustainability of it. The fact that he knows the farmer's names, where it's come from. And, you know, you are really, by buying coffee from Matthew, you are actually helping keep um, sustainability throughout. You're helping someone else in the rest of the world, like what Matthew said. So um, much less so than what you would do if you were buying it, drinking from a jar of Nescafe. <laughs> So I do recommend, like you say, it's just around the corner from my studio. If you are coming in, do call in and see him. And um, also, you know, check out his website if you if you don't live near, near us. Yeah, so if you're a, a coffee drinker, this is probably going to be a good investment for you. Just getting, maybe spending 20, 30 pounds on a cafetiere or an AeroPress and buying some good quality coffee like what Matt sells and just upgrading that coffee ritual. Because if you do drink coffee, you probably drink it every day. Like I know me and you, Jill, we drink coffee, but I'll only have one cup a day, but yeah, it's kind of like a treat. So if you're just going to upgrade it a little bit and then get the health benefits and knowing where the coffee comes from, helping the farmers who aren't as privileged as us in terms of kind of living in the Western world with with more money and more time and things like that. It's just, yeah, and it's, and it's interesting as well. So yeah, thumbs up from me. Yeah, thumbs up from me. It makes me want to go and have a cup of coffee now. Yeah, speaking of which, that's what we're going to do now. (laughs) So thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time. And don't forget to um, leave us a review, follow us on social media, Small Business Whole Health Podcast. And don't forget, you can also get us via your Alexa or your Google device. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.